Welcome to On the Other Side, where we talk crypto, culture, and society, and how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. Every week, we have on cool people from the crypto world to talk about what they're building and what the implications of that might be for real human beings. Before we hop into the show, I want to give a quick thank you to the sponsors that make this episode possible. On this show, we talk all about the human side of Web3 and the philosophy of Web3, but when you're ready to get your hands dirty, Rabbit Hole is the place to go. Rabbit Hole curates all of the wildness of Web3 into one simple place where users can go to be directed towards positive sum protocols and build their skill set as they do it. In this episode, we talk about DAOs, and Rabbit Hole has an intro to DAOs skill that guides you through all of the basic tools you need to know in order to be a DAO contributor. You can check it out at rabbithole.gg. Thank you, Rabbit Hole, for sponsoring On the Other Side. All right, let's hop into the show. I am here with N, otherwise known as Madam Cult Leader or Cult Leader N on crypto Twitter. N is the head of community at Wonder. N, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I am jazzed and hyped to be here, Chase. I feel like we're always in the same Twitter spaces, growing lots of hearts. <laughs> so I'm very excited to jam. Before we dive into that, do you want to give a little bit of background on you and how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole? Yeah. So, um, you know, my pronouns are they, them. I was just like saying that. And I fell on the crypto rabbit hole late 2019, early 2020, actually um, by a friend who was kind of looking into investing in crypto. Um, and he was like, I think you like this. Check this out. So it actually it didn't come like organically for myself. It was like a friend. Um, but, you know, this friend kind of was like, you should explore this. Um and that's kind of how it all began. I just started reading um, the academic papers, um, the different white papers, and I really came at it from the DeFi and like also a kind of scientific lens, less so like a bit of investing, but more just like, what is this technology? What is it doing? What are its use cases? And I think that set me up really well um, to participate in a meaningful way within the Web3 space. Yes, and I love that you have this like more scientific background and now you're doing a lot more with community, which yeah. feels like less of a science. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, but. it's it's interesting. So I so I have a degree in chemistry. Um, I worked within the chemical industry for a number of years. I did analytical chemistry, organic chemistry, lab, R&D stuff, um, customer service, but more like, you know, technical customer service stuff. Um and I would say that, like, I see community as quite a science. Um, a lot of community building is really just, like, experimenting, tinkering, right? Saying, does this work? Does this work? Um, and I think it's also why I'm kind of good at social media, too, um, at least on Twitter, because I am like, yeah, like, what, what do people engage with? What do people like? What do I like? Um, and, yeah, it's just, I see everything as having a lot of science. And I think people think science is something it's not. That's really interesting. I want to dive into that a little bit. Like when you sure. think about this sort of experimental element, something that comes to mind for me is I feel like in science, and maybe this is just my background in it, you're experimenting and seeing how um, this thing responds, but that mm -hmm. thing feels very fixed. Um, so whether that's like a molecule or whatever, you don't really have I guess, uh, a collaborative say in how it works. Maybe that's just the way I think about it. But in community, it feels like there's this different element where 
there is like this level of like back and forth almost that happens between mm-hmm. the experimenter and the community. I'm curious how you think about that. Well, I would actually say that I think science is a bit easier than community. Actually, other way. I think that community is a bit easier than like science because because basically in science, you don't get like feedback, right? It's like I, in chemistry, I mix these things together and then I have to like go to these instruments, analyze it, you know, use an NMR, GC, like all these different instruments and like figure out what's in this, you know, um, round bottom flask. Community, it's like I can actually talk to the quote unquote specimen, right? Like I can actually be like, what do you feel about how this is going? So it's almost like way more instantaneous feedback um, where I can like then create a hypothesis on what's happening. I think what's more challenging about community is there's more variables than in science, right? So if you're in science, like chemistry specifically, right? You put this thing in here, you put this thing in here, you mix them together, right? Those are two variables. In a community, it's like you have 15 people joining every day, you have 10 people communicating, you know, every hour. It's like there's many more variables and then the larger goal of what am I trying to do with all this stuff happening, right? So then there's like the strategic piece. So I think that like, you know, they're they're different, they're challenging and easy in different ways. But I would say that I've found that I like community more and I like community in Web3 because it's so deeply technical that it requires me to have a really good technical understanding to translate that into like consumable lay people um, uh, kind of discourse. So it's actually like, that's what I like is like almost the scientific communication part that's almost required in my opinion within um, Web3 community. That's a really interesting perspective. And it kind of brings me to this question of, you know, when you're experimenting in science, you're trying to learn more about the world around you. And then of course, like use those learnings to almost like, I don't want to say manipulate, but engage in the world in a way that wasn't possible before when you didn't have those learnings. What do you imagine as like the purpose for something like experimenting with community? Well, I think that's what's interesting, right, Chase? It's like uh, my my experimenting can be in whatever direction I want, right? It's like, you know, what is the goal? I mean, some people say KPIs. I hate corporate speak. I think it's utterly useless. But anyway, you know, K- KPIs, OKRs, whatever, you know, jargon people want to say. <laughs> but um, like I, yeah, I just like, it's like, what what are the goals here, right? Are we trying to increase engagement? Are we trying to increase growth? Are we trying to like, you know, educate people and how do we quantify that? So it's constantly having to refine the goals and then how you measure those goals, which is inherently a scientific process, right? That's how you do science. You like, you know, okay, I want to make this molecule. Um, How do I make this molecule? Let me make a roadmap. That's your strategy, right? The synthetic roadmap. Then let me, um, you know, put these things in, in, in the round bottom flask, mix them, figure out the parameters that I need to optimize the reaction. Like, it's really all the same stuff. So I, I think for me, science is really formative to how I view the world. And like, that also applies to like community that applies to just my day-to-day life. Honestly, like I view everything through a very scientific lens, but also you can't apply science to everything. So it's kind of knowing when is it relevant, this kind of scientific method. There is something really interesting about applying this like scientific mindset or scientific method mindset to community building and even like 
brand building and whatever it is that people are doing in the sense that it does give you more, I think, perspective. I feel like sometimes it's really easy to identify with the community and the feedback that you're getting from a community, which can be challenging because when that feedback is, I don't like this or this doesn't work, if your entire self-worth is in um, you know, being a member of a certain community or whatever, and then the feedback that you're getting is, oh, no, that's not – we don't like what you're doing – um, then that becomes this like challenging thing. But when you see it all as an experiment, it sort of creates this space between your own, you know, worth is an interesting word, but I'll use that because of lack of a better word, um, and, mm-hmm. and the feedback that you're getting from the community. And there's something really interesting about that, I think. Oh, 100%. Like, I, I think in any sort of realm of life, whatever, you know, career industry you're in, Right. Oh, like our emotionality plays a critical role in our success and then also our execution. I, I see like in science, right? Like I think people view it as a very like, you know, very inert, which is like, you know, a word in chemistry, like, you know, even the noble gases, which are inert, mean they don't react with anything. Um, we view things as very inert, but in reality, it's like we're emotional creatures. Like that is, I think, a very fundamental human condition. So I think not acknowledging that or working with that is actually a hindrance to our ability to make strategies to view data. Because if I'm viewing data, you know, for the wonder community, right? And I say, oh no, metrics are down. That means I'm a failure. Whoa, like we just jumped from a data point to something about myself, right? What happened in that moment was, you know, (laughs) what happened in that moment was me assigning my own value to a data point, which didn't even necessarily have statistical significance to create a conclusion, right? So like all these things, and I think this instantaneous nature of community and social media especially makes it really hard to step away. But my scientific background actually has given me a leg up in understanding how to consume data in a way that is more actionable or in a way that's more, I think, conducive to really building something long-term where I think a lot of other people are more reactive. It's like, Oh, we see this go down, this number go down. That means something's going wrong, but that is a conclusion. That's not a hypothesis, right? Like that is like, well, it's going down because we're not doing well. You know, you can't like correlate those so quickly without more data. So I don't know. I think it's like weirdly going from chemistry to web three community has actually been quite, um, it's been quite an opportunity for me. And I think I, I know it's been helpful to have that background. Yeah, totally. I'm also curious. So I, I was thinking about, like, I saw a tweet, um, from someone that was a quote of yours about like mutual aid and this notion that like, that, that we'll get into, um, that I think is interesting in Web3 around sort of meeting each other's needs. But something that's interesting about that in the context of this is it feels like one of the elements that's challenging about this like experimental nature or maybe like maybe not challenging, but one of the interesting elements here too is acknowledging that trying to collect feedback and data on experiments is also about understanding the multiplicity of like perspectives that exist in a community. I don't know that multiplicity is the right word, but the multitude of like perspectives that exist in a community and really trying to understand 
um, that like different tinkering and experiments are going to impact a lot of different people in different ways. And I think there's something very interesting to like the complexity of that and how it almost is like an organism mm-hmm. is responding. Yeah. I mean, like chemistry is one of the more simple sciences, same with physics. I mean, they get super complicated, you know, <laughs> we don't like slander them, but like biology <laughs> and biochemistry is like deeply, deeply complicated, right? It's, you have, you know, these complex, you know, um, like proteins and like these, like, you know, just in a cell, you have a ton of different organelles and like these things are all interacting in a meaningful way. So I see community almost like that, where it's like, you have a ton of different variables and it's about asking the right questions to the system. That is community, right? It's like, okay, if I say, you know, if I ask a question like, you know, is community meaningful to you? Is this community meaningful to you? Right. Or if I ask like, I don't know, another question that is um, what value are you getting from this community? Right. Those things are poking this kind of organism as we're calling it in very different ways. And it's about understanding like what you're posing to the system and then what the system responds to you with. Right. So it's very, I like, it's like, I like the complexity. I like the kind of like non-linear heady nature of community because like we are very complex beings and like we have lived experiences and we have all these things. And like that makes it in my mind, much more interesting than the science and the chemistry I was doing because like, okay, I made this molecule. So what? (laughs) Who cares? Like, that's how I always felt. Like I was really good at chemistry. Like I, you know, kind of raised fast in the ranks, worked with a lot of high level people, but I always felt this lacking of like, okay, so what? Like, who cares? I would, you know, go to parties and be like, oh, I'm a chemist. And be like, oh my God, that must be so hard. And like, that's not the response I wanted. I wanted engagement, right? I wanted people to like, I don't know, care in some way about what I was doing. So I think that community feels like I can communicate it more with people. And it's like something that's more every day if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I, I think that totally makes sense. And I, I want to dive into like this notion of mutual aid and all that. But before we do that, I think it's almost worth asking. There are a lot of companies in Web3 that are building communities. Like everyone has a community. There are DAOs that say that they have communities, which is like a m- very muddy water of like contributor base and people who vibe with the product and all of that. At a very basic level, though, like, what do you see as the purpose of a community? And maybe there's not a single answer, but why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why are people yeah, building communities? Just very basic level. I think that's a great question. I struggle with that a lot myself. Like, you know, what is the use case of community? And I think ultimately, um, like, this is the way I think about it. I think the internet has done an interesting U-turn where, like, we were, like, hyper-global but then I think we're becoming hyper-local, right? And that's what people describe as like you're in an echo chamber, right? And it's often like a criticism. But I think that that's a natural human, like almost like emergent quality is to congregate in small communities. So I think about like a, a, a village, right? And in the village, you had, you know, a local cobbler or something, right? That local cobbler, what was their marketing? Their marketing was like the people in the community knowing who you are and the quality of your work. So I think that for me, that's kind of what community is. It's like using this tool that's now the internet and saying, okay, let me get people together who believe in what I'm doing or believe in what the product is 
and then engaging them and saying, what do you think? Right. And not having all of these filters of like, I would say toxic positivity of like this product has to be amazing. Right. Cause if the local cobbler like didn't cobble your shoes, right. You might, you know, to go to your neighbor and be like, yeah, the cobbler messed it up this time. Right. <laughs> and then they would tell somebody else. And then that would be, you know, your review. But I think that community is now like able to access people in, you know, discord or different community platforms um, Discord's not really a community platform, but we use it as such. Regardless, you know, now we have this way to almost more instantaneously connect with people in a more human way, right? Filling out a form is not really like a human evaluation, right? It's like very, like I said, it's you have to be really intentional about a form and what it's asking people. And then like, are you even listening to the negative feedback? Like a lot of community builders, I see them being like, I want it to be positive. Or like founders would be like, I want it to be positive all the time. And I'm like, is that even close to what human existence is like, right? People are going to have their gripes. Mm. And that is important to hold space for and to not think that that's going to be immediately a negative PR moment, right? Stopping that negativity is actually stopping the evolution of, of this kind of brilliant thing that can come from community which is an organic collective that is, you know, prompting your product and then evangelize, I hate the word evangelizing, then kind of spreading the news, right, of the product to other people because they think, oh, wow, like, I like this thing and like this thing is meaningful to me. So I think community is all about like giving people meaning. And I think that's also kind of like sociologically relevant because I think a lot of us are looking for meaning in a world that's like, you know, kind of kind of owned by these huge conglomerate corporations that really don't care about giving us meaning or building community with us. They more care about extracting profit. So I think that community is, is not necessarily inherently valuable, but I think it's valuable to just the human condition and to making us feel like we live in a world where like things care about us instead of like, you know, things being indifferent and then like kind of extracting. Yeah, I really love that. And I'm curious, like, if you kind of take this analogy to the the degree where we exist in a few different communities and that's how we spend a lot of our time digitally, it kind of feels like we're all going to be citizens of these like different spaces um, where I might be a citizen of like the wonder community and the orca community and that might be a big part of my identity do you kind of see it that way where like we're sort of just citizens of these different towns and an individual person can be a citizen of many different spaces and and that's like how we actually end up spending a good amount of our time in like digital spaces in the future? Mm -hmm. I think, I think we forget how new the internet is, right? It's like the internet is, I mean, I'm 27. It's, you know, younger than me and the current iteration we have like web two people act like web two is somehow legacy. Web 2 is like 20 years old, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Web 3, I, I like to say this, Web 2 and Web 3 are fraternal twins and their internet is the mother. Is, is like the internet is their mother, <laughs> right? It's like these things are new, right? They're so brand new. Um, so I think what is happening is we're going to have, you know, our local communities and then we're going to have our digital communities. And those two things are going to coexist because before the internet, things were dictated by your physical space, right? If it wasn't in your immediate proximity, right, like say a few miles um, and with cars, it got bigger um, and planes, you know, maybe even bigger. But if you don't have the resources, your community is quite local, right? The internet allowed our communities to be global 
and or national. And that is like an unlock that I think we're still figuring out what to do with. That is so like not what the human condition has ever been. We've always been a very local species, right? We're, you know, the land we're around, um, the people we're around. But now it's like you can, you know, tap into a community that only speaks Chinese or only speaks, you know, um, Spanish. And you can do that now, like for free in some ways. So I think that's kind of we're entering a new age of like what it means to be in community with other people. I mean, that's why I'm bullish on digital communities over IRL events, because it's like IRL been there, done that. Right. That has been my whole life. But digital communities is like a new precedent that I really am excited about exploring. And like, I know you want to tie in mutual aid and I think this is the perfect moment. Like, what does mutual aid look like when it's not just tied to our local communities? Right. So I think of Castle in the Sky, which is a Studio Ghibli movie. And Castle in the Sky, it's like, you know, this castle floating in the sky. Duh. <laughs> but I think about Web3 like that, where it's like this almost like ephemeral guardian angel or like spirit person and they come to you when you need it right and that is like the mutual aid of web three where it's like ask and receive very like divine in some ways um but that's a new paradigm right mutual aid visualized through the global society saying okay you know this this group of people needs help or this local community needs help how how do we help them how do we organize our resources on a global stage to, to tap in. And it doesn't even have to be nation states or, you know, kind of like state to state conflicts, like, you know, Russia, Ukraine, where people, you know, a lot of crypto people gave money to Ukraine. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, Burning Sissy Valley, which is a local queer trans um, person of color community organizing event. And I made a Gitcoin grant for their org. Right. And that's a local Salt Lake City organization. And now I'm tapping crypto, this global network of, of equity, of like liquidity, excuse me, um, now, how do we support these, this group of maybe like 300 people, right? So it's like the scales of mutual aid are like at this now unfathomable point where mutual aid before was like, I know my neighbor. Now mutual aid can be, I know a person in Peru and a person in Indonesia who know me and want to help my community. And that like blows the kind of like doors open of like a different level of mutual aid that before was much slower, right? You could have like, you know, national mutual aid, but it was much slower. Now it's, if you have the internet, instantaneous transfer of value. And that's what people like don't talk about Web3. It's like this instantaneous, like global um, individual peer-to-peer network of support. And that's just like, I don't know, it gets me going, Chase. <laughs> Clearly. I love it. No, I absolutely love it. And there's something interesting too to me about like backtracking of, okay, why is this happening in this moment? Um, mm-hmm. I have predictions, but I'm curious what you think. Well, like, and you know, it's interesting. I've been thinking about the word conservative and like, this is kind of unrelated, but like, I'm thinking about what that word really means. And like, in my mind, like going back to a more local type of existence is like the ultimate conservative thing, right? It's like humans existed in like this um, local kind of gift economy for like thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years. So I think that like we're moving back to like kind of the original way we existed through a new technology, which was like, I know you, you know me, we build trust and then we share, 
right? Like that is like very just how humans work, I think. And I don't like to claim that often because you know, who, who, who's to know how we really work, right? We're all so unique. But, but yeah, I think that like we're really going back to something, right? We're returning. In the last few hundred years have been quite the aberration through European colonization and whatnot have been the like kind of aberration in, you know, how humans have historically kind of engaged with each other, which was, again, much more local. Um, or, like, I mean, even like war was much more local too. Um, so anyway, so I, I, I think that like we're, we're entering an exhaustion of a very like non-human way of existing, right? Which is this like, I don't know any, I don't know, um, see for me, I don't know any of my neighbors, right? There's no walkable streets in my, in my city, right? I don't know how to connect with, with people around me in a meaningful way. So I think Web3, the internet, Web2, they're all kind of fostering like this more ephemeral community, but I think that's going to lead back to like community that is more local again. And, but that local community is no longer untethered from other local communities like it was in the past. Now all these local communities are connected. So I think we're entering like an era of hyper-localization and I hope we can do that in a way that is not fostering like, you know, xenophobia and bigotry, but instead knowing all the types of people that exist in this world and having reverence for them, right? And having a respect of different cultures, um, but also, you know, connecting and, you know, I don't know, like building a global c- culture um, while also maintaining the local cultures that we so love. Yeah, there's something really interesting, I think, to this idea that like the internet's becoming or we're sort of moving back to this notion of like local spaces, but it looks so different. Like our version of local might be the the space that you and I share in terms of like a Venn diagram, like the shared space on Twitter. And that is like a local community, you know? And like, mm-hmm. I think there's something really interesting about the internet as the space that almost um, like allowed people to empathize more than maybe they would have been able to in the past with one another. Like, I'm curious if oh, you think empathy absolutely. plays a role here. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I think about like, you know, the U.S. and like white supremacy. And I think a a key underpinning of that ideology and like kind of what the U.S. was founded on was a lack of empathy. Right. It's like I'm going to enslave these people like, you know, whatever. Um, And I I think that like for me, the the hope I have with Web3 and just like Internet large and TikTok is like a bit of big catalyst of that. We're seeing people we may, might have never seen in our entire lives if we only live this local experience or we only live this propagandized experience, right? And of course, you can like, you know, push propaganda through, through the internet, but you could also do that before the internet too. Like that's not a new thing. Um, so for me, it's like, I see the internet web three um, and like the kind of emerging and evolving web two through like TikTok and whatnot is just like, you see people's faces, right? You hear people's voices, right? I'm so bullish on like voice stuff, like podcasts, right? You know, we've never met in real life. We're just two people, voices in the internet, right? But here we are making meaningful connection and sharing thoughts and ideas when we would have never met in real life if I, you know, lived my local experience. So I think that we we don't respect 
the unlock, because now Web 2 was the unlock socially. Web 3 is the unlock economically. Now I can send you, Chase, 10 USD, right, on L2. And you can then offload that where you need to offload that, and then you can buy a coffee, right? That is like commerce on the individual level. And that is like empathy also on another level where it's like, I know you're a person and I can support you as a person because I respect you as a person. No, it's interesting because it's almost like, so there was the web to like uh, maybe emotional connection, right? But it's almost like bringing money into it actually allows us to finally bridge that where Mm -hmm. money, you know, energy in my real life actually gives me the ability. If you gift me 10 USD, let's say like I can actually now take that to change my physical state, which is almost the way that that you and I, it's totally magic, which is crazy because it's someone who I've never met in real life, changing my real life reality. And, and that is like, like I say, like that's magic. Like I was, um, you know, I got point to um, ETH for charity through Joked Out because I won their you know joke competition. Everyone check out Joked Out; it's amazing. But um, I won point two ETH, and that's like three hundred seventy dollars. And the local organization I'm helping, you know, fund for in Web three spaces, that was like, you know, maybe like ten percent of what they needed to do this like local event that was like that's pretty breathtaking. And like has a lot of local impact, right? And, and and that just happened, right? And then I, you know, took it out of the of uh, you know, went to the exchange, got it in USD, and then Venmoed them the 370. And they were like, what? Like, this is magic. And that is web three. You know what I'm saying? That is what we're trying to do. That is mutual aid, right? That is what this technology unlocks. Um, Because now I can say, you know, I have excess in, you know, U.S. that's colonized a lot of places. I can send 10 USD, which might be nothing to me, but it's something meaningful for someone in the Philippines or someone in like Zimbabwe or someone in Peru. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we can start to like almost erase these manufactured borders in some ways and like, you know, go back to gifting and sharing and connecting because money is just a metaphor for a care of each other, right? Money is not real. It's a human construct. Like I know people hate social construct, but it's true. Money is like an agreement of value, right? It's an, it's a technological and social innovation and web three takes that and pumps it to like a trillion and says, now we can, anybody can transact value as long as you have the internet on this global stage and we can care about each other with this thing called money and we can deposit that and drop it around the earth. And that is like what I see as the power of web three. And that's what I don't see people talking about enough. People talk about like, I don't know, this like, like, Oh, you know, I don't know. It's just like the narrative is not right. Right. And I think the narrative that I'm kind of espousing the narrative I'm talking about with you right now is I think what's going to get us there, what's going to have people from an emotional, like heart and in mind level and gut level, like all those different places respond and say, yes, finally, like freedom. Yeah, it's really interesting. It never quite clicked for me until this moment The the actual impact of being able to send someone an asset um, digitally. And of course that was possible like in some ways 
um, you know, through like banks and all this stuff. But when you like really pull this out over time, what this looks like is a monetary system that ideally like actually is accessible to everyone, which you can't really say for banks. Like there is something really interesting about this idea of actually being able to change this the physical state of someone that you've never met um, or at least give mm-hmm. them the power to change it themselves. And I, I don't think that like really clicked for me until this moment. And that could even be, you know, beyond mutual aid, that's like a different form of this, I guess. Maybe it's a different form of mutual aid is building something alongside people in a community. Like it doesn't, there's, there are lots of different ways that this can emerge, but I don't think that I processed Mm -hmm. that the very real impact of that until this moment. I mean, love that we had this moment together. Um, And I think for me too, like Gitcoin is framing is amazing. And I think, you know, that's why I'm really bullish on Gitcoin just as an organization. But, you know, they talk about public goods. Blockchains in the right form, right? Not all blockchains are perfect. There's, you know, different, you know, <laughs> executions of the technology. I'll be kind. Um, right? Like, at the end, of, like, blockchains can be public goods, right? Blockchains can be a thing where it's like, we all pay a little bit to maintain it. Right. But the internet allowed us to basically do micropayments, right? Instead of like with governments where you have to pay a tax every year, it's like every time I do a transaction, I'm maintaining the health and longevity of the chain. And that's why I'm really anti things being free, right? Because I think free is really like actually obfuscating the cost, <laughs> right? Like in the web two, we see this a lot where it's like, you're the product, right? Your data is being sold and that's where they get the profit. That's how it's free. I would rather pay for a public good and get people used to paying for things, right? Paying for things that care about us than not paying, assuming the individual freedom is enough. And then 10 years down the road, realize we're all screwed, right? So I think Mm. Blockchains as public goods, you know, and that's what, you know, kind of Gitcoin, that framing is given to me by Gitcoin. So check them out. But public blockchains as public goods starts to have this like magic moment where people can transact value globally connected to why well, pay a transaction fee. And L2s, the other piece of the magic is, well, now that transaction fee is one cent, but I'm still paying and it's still maintaining, Right. And you know that you're paying for it, right? It's in every transaction. You can see how much you paid in gas. So I think that like unintentionally, maybe blockchain technology might usher in an age of like people understanding the cost, which which can not only affect things globally, but affect things on the local level of like, oh, I want to pay my taxes in order to help my local community. If my taxes aren't helping local community, like they're helping maintain the blockchain, Maybe we need to investigate why I'm paying those taxes. And maybe we need to like hold people accountable in our governance systems. And also Web3 ex- like makes politics more engaging too. It's like governance is just politics on chain, right? <laughs> like that's all it is. Mm. So for me, it's like all these things that seem so, I don't know the right word, like, like such a drudgery have been made fun in Web3. 
and fun and play. These are things that are so critical to keeping our engagement and storytelling, right? And I just think we can do so much through Web3 that unlocks for people understanding these larger economic um, and, you know, political systems that we live in and also technological systems we live in. Because banks, at the end of the day, were just a technological innovation, right? That's all they were. Totally. Yeah, and this kind of even brings me back to this idea of like the the notion of thinking about all of this as a scientific sort of experiment. Like part of me thinks that ultimately – science. It does. And part of me thinks ultimately like Web3 is actually – a very grand experiment in evolving potentially like human thriving and consciousness and how we connect with each other because we're taking the most like potent things. We're taking like money, which is such a strong driver in the world. Um, We're taking this like human connection element in like a very sort of digitized space and playing with some of those parameters and seeing what happens. And my hope ultimately is that like through that experimentation, we actually find a space that is more playful and fun and a lot of the things that you're talking about and just more freeing like as humans Mm -hmm. to express ourselves and find the people that we connect with, which is wild. Yeah, absolutely. And like joked out, I know I've talked about it a few times, but I want to not plug it, but just say joked out is a great example where it's like, they're like on-chain governance for layer twos. Um, you can use a layer one, but layer two is kind of where it's at because it's so cheap to like, you know, spin up a token, a voting token and have people vote. Um, but what I love about JokeDAO is that they have the weekly joke races and in those weekly joke races, um, the winner is second place, right? So number one isn't the winner. But what it does, and I think intentionally, you know, Sean, who's one of the creators of it, who's brilliant. Um, I think what it intentionally or maybe unintentionally or maybe it was like intuitively does is it makes us ex- in- investigate, well, I want to collude, right? I want to build my tokens. I want to like, you know, make it so I can, you know, buy the race in a fun way, right? Because you're just voting on jokes. It's not like anything serious. But in that play and in that fun, you start to, you start to learn about what is collusion, right? That word is said a lot, but what is it on a, like in, a, in an emotional way, in like a, you know, in the moment, what does it look like? So it starts to teach us about politics, right? It starts to teach us about like voting. It starts to teach us about like how these systems can be co-opted in the one in a, in a thirty-minute joke race, right? And I'm part of a joke cartel, which is like you know a group of people get together of token who have joke tokens, and then we try to like you know manipulate the race, right? So it's it's like that's that fun, that's that play, but it's also exposing a reality of our world and exposing it in 30 minutes rather than exposing it in 30 years. So the time frame is also shortened and allows us to learn more, more quickly and understand these systems in a more like I participated. So I understand I didn't vote for somebody else to participate and they understand now I participate and I understand, right? More like direct democracy. So an instantaneous, right, direct instantaneous democracy. And that is a huge unlock. We're literally voting on huge multi-billion dollar protocols instantaneously, and we don't even know everyone who's voting, right? It's like, that is insane. And that gives me so much hope. Like, I don't know, Web3, I think, like stepping back from this whole conversation, just from a personal level, Web3 made me have hope. 
for the future. Like it really did. It was like when I, I remember I was working in my chemistry job and I was good at it. Um, but I just was like, by spirit, the universe, everything said to me. And if you don't go into this and build this, you will regret it for the rest of your life. Mm. Right? Like that is how deep the hope and the chance that I see as web three. And it's like emotional for me. And it's crazy that it's this emotional, but like that is what web three inspires in so many people. And I think there's a reason for that. I don't think it's for no reason. And I also think like the stories that we tell ourselves about what web three can become are very much writing the future of it. You know, like I think Mm -hmm. a lot of it is, it's if if we're inspired to build something that is truly more equitable and more accessible and bringing more fun and play into our lives like that's probably what we're going to do and i think there's something that's really yeah. amazing about that too oh absolutely like you know i, I call it practical manifestation right it's like manifesting cuz you are you know dreaming you're imagining something that might not exist but then you're building that thing as you dream and imagine what it can be, right? It's like practical, right? It's very like, you know, I want this thing to happen and then I am taking small baby steps. But the amazing thing about exponential growth is that those small doublings don't seem like they're significant until you hit the 10th, 11th, 12th doubling. And then you're like, oh, wow, like we're here, right? It's just like, boom, creeps up on you. Right. <laughs> and that's like the kind of amazing that like people call like, you know, one of the modern wonders of the world, exponential growth. And I think humans really are exponential growers. Like that, I think that's a lot of how we operate. But we are so kind of like when we're in the weeds of these like moments that is not above this threshold of re- realization, those doublings are like quiet. And we're like, oh, mm-hmm. nothing's happening. Oh, nothing's getting done. But then all of a sudden, you know, the year or two or three where you did these small steps payoff and that's where you see people like oh my god like i was doing this you know i was you know posting my content or i was like you know doing my experiments and then one day it all came together and i was successful whatever that looks like for the individual so like web threes are practicing magic i'm telling you <laughs> it 100 is it 100 is well this has been such a lovely conversation this is giving me hope for web three which i feel like we all need Yay. right now Before we wrap up, I have a segment at the end of the show, which is what is your favorite thing in your wallet? So it can be an NFT, an ERC-20, whatever it may be, but what is your favorite thing in your wallet? Oh, this is so easy. My crypto coven, Um, Iris the Gentle. Um, I mean, like there's something that like, you know, just based on this magic conversation, crypto coven to me represents like the best of Web3 represents like what this can be and what we can become together in this like new digital space. So easy crypto coven. I love that. There was a um, like board babes, which is this Twitter account did a little like highlight on me. And they said, if you could date one NFT collection, which one would it be? And I said, crypto coven, of course. Easy, easy choice. Easy choice. Well, and where can people find you and learn more about the amazing work that you're doing? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Twitter at cult underscore leader underscore N. Um, Also, I'm running the Towers 3, which is like an initiative to try to diversify and create more inclusion and belonging in Web3. And then also 
I run the Wonder Discord um, and a lot of Wonder events. So if you want to hear more from me, just engage with me on a daily basis, jump into the Wonder Discord um, or verify through the guild um, and you'll get access to the Discord that way too. So, Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so wonderful to chat. Oh, it was so therapeutic. It was so helpful for me too. Um, So I'm happy. Thank you for inviting me. If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcasts I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. Thanks again for listening.